I'm back. The Clayton Castle podcast is back and better than ever before. I'm so excited to be able to talk to some great, interesting, fascinating people here in the greater Cincinnati area. You know, I took a couple of months off there after the James Votruba episode. Just started a new job over at Northern Kentucky University. And so it took me a little bit of time to get acclimated, but I finally wanted to come back to the podcast and record some interviews and just talk to people and really tell their stories. So I'm really glad to be back. Now, while I was gone, A lot of awesome things happened here in the greater Cincinnati area. My beloved Cincinnati Bearcats made it to the college football playoff. I was so lucky, fortunate, and blessed to go to Dallas and to AT&T Stadium to watch the Bearcats take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. I was there with my wife and my dad and my stepmom, and it was truly a fun time. You know, the Bearcats did not win that game. But you know what? They had a great season. They finished 12-0. They won the AAC Conference Championship, and they made it. They broke that glass ceiling of the group of five going to the college football playoff. We had a great time in Dallas. Heather and I went to Waco the day before the game. We had a little bit of a day trip to visit Magnolia. For those who don't know, that is the company um, owned by Chip and Joanna Gaines of Fixer Upper Fame. And it was just, a, you know, the entire week was a great trip. And I'm so blessed to have been a part of that. The Cincinnati Bengals, not only did they surprise us by finishing with a 10-7 and record, AFC North champions, they won their first playoff game, they beat the Titans, they beat the Chiefs, and they made it all the way to Super Bowl 56, facing the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, they also came up short, But man, the future is bright here in Cincinnati. It is just a great time to be a sports fan in the greater Cincinnati area. I'm going to talk about the Bearcats, the Bengals, and a lot more with my first guest of the season. He is a 30-year veteran of the Dayton Daily News. He is a former beat reporter for the Cincinnati Bengals for the Dayton Daily News. He is now a sports talk show host on 700 WLW, hosting Extra Innings, hosting Bengals Post Game with Tim McGee. I'm so honored to be joined by the amazing Chick Ludwig. We will have that interview right after this. Welcome back to the Clayton Castle podcast. I am so pumped and so excited to welcome in this next guest. He has a wealth of knowledge in sports in substitute teaching and umpiring and rules and all that other stuff. And the only the best way to introduce him is to say this. I've got my laptop. I've got my coffee. Now, all I need to do is welcome in Mr. Chick Ludwig. Chickster, how are you doing tonight? Oh, fantastic, Clayton, man. Great to be with you. And you you stole my line. You know, I've got my coffee. I've got my computer. All I need is you. And uh, it's funny because those words just came out of my mouth one day 
while I was hosting sports talk at W-O-N-E in Dayton. I did that for 21 months and um, it came out of my mouth one day. And now, gosh, everybody's quoting it. I love it. Yeah, it's one of those things where when my wife and I or just myself, uh, when we're driving around and we're listening to you, like we listened to you this past weekend when we were driving around on Saturday night. And whenever you say that, I, I always have to say it with you. So um, it's just one of those iconic things like uh, Marty's and this one belongs to the Reds or yeah, Dan's yeah. Uh, coffin nails. Uh, oh, it's, just yeah. one, it's just one of those trademarks. So, um, again, thank you for doing this. Um, I wanted to tackle a lot with you tonight, um, but I still want to start with your beginnings. You are a proud elder high school grad. As I said, um, begrudgingly, I turned the LED lights behind me purple in honor of Elder. Um, just talk a little bit about Elder High School and what it was like to go there. Yeah, you know, I grew up at the corner of West 8th and Rosemont in the St. William Parish. And that's, you know, when, when you're from Cincinnati, everybody asks you, you know, where'd you grow up? What parish, you know, were you from? And uh, yeah, I, I grew up a, a short walk to Elder High School and uh, went to St. William's School. And I love to tease uh, folks that, you know, I walked to St. Williams. I walked to Elder. My first bus ride was at Ohio State, you know, from the smokestacks out to the West Campus. So I got on a bus at the Ohio State University with 50,000 of my closest friends. But just a great childhood, great neighborhood, walked everywhere growing up at the corner of West 8th and Rosemont, uh, going to Elder High School. And I was just at their stag, you know, their sports stag on Thursday night. Eric Wood was the featured speaker, oh, wow. former elder uh, offensive lineman, University of Louisville, All-American, first round draft pick of the Buffalo Bills. And uh, as soon as I got there, a kid comes up and intercepts me. He's the class president elder. Hey, can we interview you? <laughs> so he took us into he took me into a. Gosh, the Elder News Network, ENN, and uh, just a beautiful facility at the Shaper Center, you know, on the campus at Elder, and uh, asked me, you know, what separates Elder from other schools? First thing that popped into my mind was the school spirit, you know, and uh, and then just the values that I learned, uh, you know, Roman Catholic beginning, and I tease kids all the time when I substitute teach. I went to an all boys Catholic school, had to wear a tie every day. Now they're in khakis and in, uh, you know, a, a polo shirt, you know, purple polo shirt. That would have been cool to wear back then, but a tie every day. And, uh, you know, a lot of discipline and, uh, you know, and the Catholic values. And then I say, but I went to a state school, Ohio State. So um, I like to say that once I got to Ohio State, and I saw girls in halter tops throwing the Frisbee on the oval and dogs chasing the Frisbee. I'm going to have the four greatest years of my life. Right. And, uh, but yeah, Elder was great. Um, and just those values that I learned uh, being a student manager for football and basketball and track one year and baseball. I took senior year off from baseball and uh because I just wanted to enjoy one season of not doing anything. Right. And uh, just tremendous. And that background there, you know, fixing helmets, taping ankles, uh, you know, getting yelled at by the coaches. All that helped me later on as a sports writer. Because I, 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 you know, I was able to get into the mind of an athlete 
and really see firsthand what they went through, the pain, the suffering, the blood, sweat, and cheers. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go back real quick. I say begrudgingly because I, you know, we talked before we came on that I went to Walnut Hills and in sports, it was always about beating the GL, uh, the GCL South. It was always about beating Elder, St. X, LaSalle, and Moeller. So that's why I say begrudgingly. I have nothing personal, personally against oh. Elder. Well, and like we talked about off the air, I've been to Walnut Hills a few times. And every time I'm there, I feel like putting on a backpack and going to class because it is an unbelievable academic institution, period, man. I, I just have, wow, you went to Walnut? Wow, I I bow down. I, I, I do. It's, uh, it's no, that no, no, special no. a place. No, it really is. I mean, it's special, but no need to bow down. But uh, yeah. uh, but but that also brings me to, you know, I'm. you always talk about going to Elder. I always talk about going to Walnut. Um, what makes being proud of your high school so special? Cause that's a, that's a Cincinnati thing. You don't find that everywhere. Yeah. The West side, you know, they say you, you're, you're born there, you're raised there, you work there, you die there. And I love to say, heck, I need a, uh, I need a passport to get off the Hill. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I did wind up moving out. One of the few that did, uh, went to Ohio state. And then I started a journey all the way up I-71. You know, number one, I went to Ohio State. Uh, first job out of uh, the School of Journalism was in Lebanon, Ohio, at the Western Star newspaper uh, in Lebanon. And then I moved up to Greater Cleveland for two and a half years, a paper called the News Herald uh, in the Cleveland suburbs, the east side suburb of Willoughby. And uh, yeah, we covered every all the Cleveland sports. It was a great experience for two and a half years. And then Dayton hired me in uh, June of 79 and I stayed 30 years. So, uh, but yeah, the, uh, you know, the community, oh man, a Friday night at the pit, you know, a high school football Friday night, 10,000 people. I remember talking to a coach who was from Bluffton, who was recruiting a kid from elder. And he said, he heard the announcement at halftime for the split the pot. It was some ungodly amount, like $5,000 or something. He said, that's our, that's our entire fall budget, you know? Right. So, uh, but yeah, just uh, the community, man, rallies around that school. And if you were in a, you know, in a Catholic school in that, uh, in that area, man, you went to Elder, you did not want to go to Oak Hills or uh, Western Hills. Right. So. Man, yeah, yeah. What, what a great, that, that sense of community is so special when you surround, especially talking about your high school, because I still go to Walnut games to this day. I was just at the basketball yeah. game. Unfortunately, when they got trounced by Turpin, they, they go 20 or they went 19 and one uh, in going into the last game of the season. And then they get trounced by Turpin, but yeah, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll just leave yeah. it there, but hopefully they'll do yeah. better in the tournament. Um, so fast forward to 1979, you touched on it a little bit. You were hired by the Dayton daily news yes. where you worked for 30 years the last 12 of those years, you were the beat reporter for the beloved Cincinnati Bengals. What was it yes. like covering an NFL team? Yeah. Uh, when I got the beat and it took, yeah, Alex Marvez, who's this star, okay, uh, for the sporting news. And now he's got, he's on Sirius XM radio with his own NFL show. I followed him. He was, uh, he was the beat writer in Dayton for a couple of years moved out to Denver and then Fort Lauderdale 
And then he started his, uh, you know, his national career. So I followed him. And when I got the beat, Tom Archdeacon, the columnist at the Dayton Daily News said, Chick, you're going to go through a few phases here. The first phase is I got the beat I always wanted, you know, professional sports beat. That's the first phase. The second phase is what the heck did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that lasted a long time. What did I get myself into? And then the third phase is, hey, I think I can do this, you know. Um, you only head off. I mean, I worked every day of the year, except for a couple of weeks in July, you know, taking a little time off because the season starts. Okay. Really training camp, the season, as soon as the season's over, you start getting ready for the combine. And that's what's happening now. After the combine, you get draft ready after the draft. Wow, the mini camps, a, uh, you know, a rookie and first year undrafted guys come in. And, uh, and I remember standing at, uh, you know, outside the facility, you know, Paul Brown Stadium, as guys came in for their workouts and, and hey, we're, we're talking amongst ourselves. Who is that guy? We didn't know. I'm going up to guys, sir, what is your name? You know, so we knew who the draft picks pretty much were, but everybody else crazy. So it is a lot of work. Uh, you, they take what, 85, 90 guys to training camp, only 53 make the roster. Um, you write about the high profile guys, but every person there is a great story on how they made it to the NFL. So you're writing feature stories. There's a lot of news. There's arrests. You know, I covered a lot of arrests mm -hmm. in my day and um, and then some columns. And um, but you get into the groove uh, game story notes sidebar. We would get to the stadium, say, about 10 o'clock on a, for a one o'clock game. Eat, relax. You can't get on the field like you used to with baseball. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, around the batting cage, you know, for a baseball game. Right. Can't do that. Um, so we would get out of the press box at midnight for a one o'clock game. Wow. Because I'd write uh, three stories for the Dayton Daily News. And then I was the sporting news correspondent. Have to write about a thousand words for them. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the, the Bengals beat writers. We were always the last ones out of a press box on the road and at home. So it was constant. And then Monday, news conferences. Tuesdays were days off for the players, but there was always news to be made. I would always have to check in and uh, chase down uh, stories. The PR director would s tell us some stuff, but then you're always making phone calls. Wednesday is like Mondays. You get the, uh, you know, you get Joe Burrow, you get the quarterbacks, uh, an open locker room. Uh, the head coach has a news conference and then you get the visiting team. You, you pick out, you request a player from the visiting team and the head coach. So Wednesdays, you're just bludgeoned with enough information that really could last you the rest of the week if you wanted it to. But then open locker rooms on Thursday, walk through on Friday. So I would, you know, I'd still be writing every day. Wouldn't have to be down there like every day. But then Saturday, travel day, if you're on the road. So, and you'd relax on a Saturday night, 
But like Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com says, sleep with the team or sleep with the fishes. Yep. <laughs> you, uh, Inky Moore would, would do our reservations at the, uh, the team hotel. We got the team rate, which was always nice. Instead of 150 or $175, it was 75 or 80 bucks. Oh, wow. You know, so, and then we would get together for dinner on a Saturday night, relax. And then Sunday, uh, Armageddon game day. Yeah. So man. it was constant, but then man, you make friends with the players. Uh, you have your go-to guys, but you're always concentrating on what is news today. You know, you couldn't miss out on, mm-hmm. you know, injuries, news, and then you're always working on features and looking for interesting stuff. Right. Yeah. The, what, one thing that you said that really struck me is something that I've always said all along as a journalist, and that is that every single player on that team has a story, has some sort of path to the NFL that's different from the guy next to them. Yes. Um, you covered the Bengals for 30 years or sorry, for 12 years mm-hmm. while you were at the Dayton Daily News for 30 years. While you were covering the Bengals beat, is there one story, inspiring, fascinating, interesting story um, that really sticks with you to this day? Um, wow. You know, I'm trying to think here. Because it's just a collage. Uh, what one thing I want to say here: when you're a sports writer, and a, and a lot of people want to be sports writers, you have to realize you have to go to an event when you want to be somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. I was hired as the auto racing writer for the Dayton Daily News, and I covered 16 Indianapolis 500s, which I loved. I also went to Winchester, Indiana. I would go to Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course up in central o- North Central Ohio, Lexington, Ohio. And I remember opening day of the NFL season, I'm covering an IndyCar race mm. at Mid-Ohio, and it's freezing. <laughs> and uh, I'm there, okay, hey, this is your job. You concentrate. You do the best job you can. And speak to Michael Andretti when he crosses the finish line first, you know. So, uh, but gosh, just one story. Um, you know, I had my run-ins with Marvin Lewis. Okay. Um, I always looked at myself as the liaison between the fans and the team. So, we were in Washington, D.C. once, and a, and a reporter there said, you haven't arrived until Marvin wakes you up on a Monday morning, angry about a story that you've written. Okay. So it was draft week. It was draft when Maurice Claret was coming out of Ohio state. And he had tried once before, you know, after like his sophomore year to come out, the league wouldn't let him because you had to be out three years from high school. And uh, my claim to fame is at the combine when I asked about the first 10 questions of Maurice Claret and I hogged the interview and uh, people were like looking at me like, who is this? Who is this guy? And that's where I kind of made my name. But anyway, uh, Marvin asked a question, was asked a question about Claret, and uh, he gave the answer that the Bengals <laughs> probably wouldn't draft him. So I wrote a you know, I wrote a story and then I wrote a little about four paragraphs 
Bengals fans won't have to worry about Maurice Claret in stripes or whatever. Just a little like four inch little little sidebar uh, box. Right. And the next thing I know, wow, the next morning I'm sleeping. The phone rings. It's for you. I pick it up. Uh, Chick, this is gosh, I forget the uh, the secretary's name there. Uh, I'm passing you through to Marvin screams at me. What the hell are you doing writing this story? He said, tomorrow, after after I'm done with my press conference, you're coming to my office. And they're okay, coach, you know? And uh, I let my boss know. Uh, he backed me 100%. The next day, after the news conference, <laughs> Marvin had had some minor knee surgery, so he was on a cart, okay, oh, a motorized <laughs> cart. And he's, he says, okay, let's go. Uh, he's banging into doors on his cart and we go up to his office and uh, we hash it out. And I just basically told him I'm their coach. You know, I'm here to report and to be the liaison between the team and the fans. And uh, he screamed real loud when we got in there. Uh, I think he scared the secretaries and, uh, but we hashed it out. And at the end of the, uh, at the end of the uh, interview, he said, are you going to Seattle this weekend? I said, yeah, I'll be there. We shook hands and that was it. So when I would get to the Super Bowl, the, the guys from ESPN would say, oh, chick, man, we live for those Monday morning, those Monday news conferences with you and Marvin. I sat in the same seat, front right, first seat on the right side. And he would look down at me. Boom. I'd ask the first question. And uh, yeah, we, we had our moments. Yeah. Man, that is a fascinating story. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, So another thing I want to ask is, you know, you started in news or started the Dayton Daily News in 1979. Was I so if I'm doing the math right, 12 years. So you started the Bengals being 1997, I guess. Yeah, 97. Uh, It was Boomer Esiason's year back with the club in 97. Jeff Blake was the quarterback. And uh, during that year, Blake got hurt. And Boomer played extremely well. Mm, right. Uh, I think this team finished like four and one, finished seven and nine on the season. Bruce Coslett wanted him back. Uh, yeah. And from what I understand, Mike offered him like a two-year deal that was really disguised as a one-year deal. Um, but he was, he was offered the job at Monday Night Football. Without right. Michaels. And Mike told him, take it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm there, oh my gosh, he should have done what's best for the club. Sign the guy. But but really, uh, you know, and talking to Boomer since then, he he was done. You know, he was done after that year, you know, his family, his son, uh, Gunner and everything, all the mm-hmm. things he did for uh cystic fibrosis and everything. So Boomer was basically done. And uh, and then Gosh, they signed Neil O'Donnell in 98. And uh, so what's cool for me now is I try to keep in touch with the alums, right. you know, whether it's on Facebook. I've got a lot of phone numbers. I love the alumni and I keep a list of deceased Bengals. OK, and my list is up to like 60 now. Mm. And uh, the club will even call me once in a while. Hey, can you send us your list? You know. And, uh, but the player's name, college, uh, 
the day they passed the and the cause. And it's just a crazy hobby of mine. Yeah. So now you are, you've been retired since 2009 from the Bengals. You can now be heard on the weekends and other fill-in spots on Sports Talk yeah. on, on 700 WLW. Yeah. Yeah. Why radio? What do you love about radio? First of all, I want to tell you how it all happened. Sure. My last news conference with Marvin and the team, uh, I was getting ready to take early retirement and uh, step away from the newspaper business. Really never wanted to quit working. I've told this a, a thousand times. I just wanted to do something different. So I told Dave Yiddy Armbruster, who is the uh, director of sports operations for iHeartMedia, I said, Yid, as an NFL writer, I get interviewed by a lot of radio stations, you know, for Bengal games that are coming up and everything. ESPN Overnight, JT the Brick, and, you know, all these dudes, and they're awesome. So I said, they seem to like me. Um, it's something I would like to try. So if you have a sports talk show host on vacation or you're in a pinch, it's something I would like to try. Never in a million years did I think I would get a call because I got my substitute teacher's license. I became a fast pitch softball umpire. My daughter played volleyball, volleyball ref. I was happy. And then radio happened. So about six months later, I get a call from Tony Bender, uh, the program director for ESPN 1530, WCKY. Hey, can you, Chick, can you fill in for Mo Egger next Wednesday? And they're, yeah, okay, let's do it. <laughs> the longest three hours of my life. Oh, man. Uh, you know, you start talking, there's no phone calls. Uh, I lined up a couple of guests, and uh, there, you can't have any dead air time. So mm -hmm. I talk for like six minutes. There's another six minutes before the break. So I start telling stories. And uh, so that was kind of my baptism. And then uh, it just kind of went from there. Uh, we started a Monday morning quarterback show on Fox Sports 1360. That lasted seven years uh, on Monday mornings during the football season. And one year it went all year and fans, man, loved it. But you talk about a turnaround. God, getting up at three or four in the morning, on the air at 6 a.m., having to know what happened in the Sunday night game. and uh, But yeah, live for two hours, and then they would re replay the first hour from eight to nine, so six to nine a.m. And, uh, and then I love baseball, so I told them, hey, I'd love to do some Reds extra innings. And they paired me with Doc Rogers for a month and had a great time with Doc. What a the late Doc Rogers. Yeah, he's, awesome. and, uh, he's great. So, you know, I do, uh, I do that. And what I love about that, you don't have to plan. The game is the plan. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll read some sponsorship cards. I take notes and people ask me all the time, do you go to Paul Brown stadium? Now, do you go to great American ballpark? And I got to admit, no, I go to the studio. Yep. I've got the game on the radio. I'm taking notes. I'm watching. I'm listening, taking notes. And then I talk into a microphone for, uh, you know, for a couple hours. Well, and I love the feedback from the fans. You know, that's what's awesome. And that's how so, I first met you was you were doing extra innings on a Friday night. Yes. Um, when I was on uh, um, doing the high school football tonight show on ESPN yes. 1530. And yeah, we were in between shows because we do a post a pregame show and a postgame show. 
And they were like, yeah, Chick Ludwig's down there in, um, in this, in the 700 studio. And I was like, no way. I've always wanted to meet Chick. You know, I, oh, lo- I, I awesome. love, he- I love hearing him on the radio. And so I remember walking in the studio and you were intently watching the Reds game because you're preparing for extra innings. Yeah. And I was like, I was so nervous. I was like, I don't want to interrupt oh him. Oh my gosh. Because, no. well, because I was like, he needs to watch this game so that he, could- I was afraid that if I interrupted you, extra innings would be, you know, shot dead. Like you, like, no. so, but I went in there and said, chick, my name is, my name is Clayton. Um, you substitute at Middletown middle school sometimes with my wife. I just want to come and say I'm a big fan. And you were so kind and gracious to me. So I just oh, want to, and then, that. Yeah. and then later that night you came down to our studio and just started talking about the Reds game. And I mean, that was, that was a blast of a night. So yeah. I just want to say, and I'd like you. to check in to see how my elder Panthers are doing. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. uh, now SEG, his hours changed. So, and because of COVID with baseball, he's not in there at night. Right. But SEG would come in in the 11 o'clock hour and do some high school football scores. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I would be in there late on a Friday night during football season, um, Safwan Alvey yep. or uh, Dan Claskins or some, or Clayton, <laughs> come on down and give us, you know, give us 15 minutes of football scores and love talking high school football. And man, the fans are passionate. That, that is a great show, man. Yeah. When I can, when I ain't in the studio, I'm listening to that. Oh, well, thank you. That's, uh, that's awesome. We, uh, we actually just did our year in review show. Um, oh gosh. Monday night, two nights ago. Um, so where where we hand out some hardware for offensive player of the year, team of the year, all that stuff. So it was a great year of high school football and a great year of Chick Ludwig doing extra innings and Bengals post game show. So in speaking of that, Okay, I told Yid because of my background covering the Bengals. That's what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. But Mark Blazer was, you know, was the guy with Tim McGee and Mark. He did a really nice job, but he was more of an entertainment guy. And he even told me he doesn't know that much about the, you know, the inner workings of football. Okay, and uh, spoke to Tim, Tim McGee and. well, Mark eventually got a job full time in Columbus, and then that's when Yid, Dave Armbruster, uh, director of sports operations for iHeartMedia, said, "Would you like to do it?" And he didn't have to ask me twice. So, love working with Tim McGee and uh, doing Bengals post game. And this year, they sent us out to three different frickers, and yep. we traveled around Miamisburg, Westchester, and Mason. And we were mainly at Mason, and. Uh, for post game. And it was great meeting the fans and uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Ne- next uh, year, next year, I'm definitely going to Frickers. I, I would listen to that show after not every Bengals game, but most Bengals games. Yeah. I would, there were times where I'd purposely get in the car just to listen to your like initial reaction in the game. Um, you and Tim, you and Tim McGee are a great partnership. You, I no. know you did some games with uh, Joe Walter. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even did one with uh, with Austin Elmore when yep. Tim was out of town and Joe couldn't do it. So um, that that was fun. Austin, his career is coming along very, yeah. very nicely. I listen yeah. to him and Tony Pike almost every day. And yeah. it, that, yeah. is, oh. that is a great show. I, I tell Tony. Tony was on, uh, you know, after one of the playoff games on ESPN National, 
you know, being interviewed. He did a great job. And wow, it's uh, huh, we're we're fortunate here to have some incredible talent. Yes, man. You know, Mo Ager does some ESPN mm-hmm. national. Lance McAllister. Oh, my gosh. The, the goat. And what helped <laughs> me was Lance would have me come in studio sometimes as the Bengals beat writer. And he would lean on me from time to time. And that really helped me, you know, get to know, you know, get a feel for what it's all about. And I can't thank those guys enough. Yeah. About a month yeah. ago, I, my I've been listening to Lance since I was in high school. I mean, yeah. and I've always been a fan of his show. And um, about a month or so ago, it was right after the Bengals uh, first playoff win against the Raiders. Yes. And for the first time in my life, I, I called into the show. Yeah. And that was so intimidating because Lan- I consider Lance McAllister, no disrespect to you or Mo or anyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, I think he's like the goat of, of um, sports talk radio. I mean, you know, he does, is. He does he really such is. a he could, great He could be show. a national guy without, to me, without any problem. Yeah. yeah. We are uh, so fortunate. He's so organized and he's just tremendous. He really is. I mean, he'll tweet out a picture of his notes and it's just like, Wow, this is a lot of research. I mean, he watches every game of every team in this town. Yeah. Um, he, he is the most prepared man I think I have ever witnessed yeah. Yeah. in Cincinnati media. The, Clayton, the challenge for me is when I'm only on, say, like on a Saturday for a three-hour show, man, I've got to pay attention all week. You know, <laughs> I've got to know what Xavier, UC, gosh, Northern Kentucky, uh, Wright State. I covered Wright State for 10 years. So I want to include them. We've got a lot of listeners in Dayton, you know, so uh, I Reds, Bengals, I've got to pay attention, you yeah. know, and uh, jam everything in on a, and Saturdays are a little bit looser than during the week. So like this past Saturday night, let's do a hot wax Saturday night. I wrote out some songs I wanted to hear right. and uh, Tater Chip Pratt, our producer cranked them up and <laughs> just had a great time. I mean, yeah. you are, I will, you are also a goat of sports talk radio. So I want to get that out of the way. You, I, you and Lance are like right up there for me. I oh, mean, I appreciate that. Are, you yeah. guys are great. Um, so now let's talk about some, let's talk about some sports. Why don't we, why don't we actually yeah. talk about some of the teams here in town? Um, yeah. Let's start with, wow. Just, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Unexpectedly great, not excellent season, but the Bengals, man. I mean, oh. They Man. going to the Super Bowl. I, as there was, I think it's USA Today. They always had the worst projections I think I've ever read, but I think they had the Bengals going like four and thirteen or something like yeah. that. Um, I had them going seven, seven wins, eight wins. Um, yeah, I had them like seven to nine. Yeah, you know, right in there to go ten um, and seven and not just win the first playoff game, but to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, what a season! What. It, what do you think of this past Bengals season? Yeah, you know, it, it, it just was what an explosion. It, 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 I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. And, uh, and then to be so close. And then some of the mistakes that were made in the actual game. Uh, I wrote on my Facebook page for a week trying to get over it, you know. And uh, But anyway... Boomer Esiason said at the start of the season, hey, the Bengals, sneaky good, sneaky good. Well, then they became scary good when we saw what Jamar Chase could do. 
and what this offense could do. And then the changes that they made on defense, bringing in the free agents and how they complemented, you know, the draft picks that this club is, uh, has had. Wow. The defense was so much, so much improved. And, and then the offense, oh my gosh, with Joe Burrow, I never panicked when there was a false start first and 15. No, no problem. They, they get the first down. It's um, because I remember I was at the freezer bowl uh, <laughs> doing a sidebar at the, for the Dayton daily news and in the run in seven and 81. Now I was tied up with college basketball in 88 still was paying attention, but closer to the 81 team. Um, nothing like what happened this year and Everything about the team has improved. The social media presence, mm-hmm. unbelievable. And you've got to give credit to Mike Brown's granddaughter, Elizabeth Blackburn. Oh, my gosh. She convinced Mike to have a ring of honor. Right. She went with a PowerPoint to him and showed him this is what we can do. And everything has improved and like Mike said, a whole new generation of Bengals fans are born. And uh, oof, yep. it's scary what the future could hold for this club if they do improve in certain areas like the offensive line. And, yeah, you can't sit still or else you're going to fall behind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the franchise, build the wall. Build right. the wall around Joe Burrow, period. You know, I yeah. think about this season, I think about some of those just – really close losses. If Joe Burrow doesn't throw three interceptions against the bears, that game was one. If Evan McPherson makes a field goal, we beat the Packers. I mean, we were so close to so many wins that if we just shore up some of these very small things like the offensive line, we need, we need at least two pieces, two new pieces on that line. If not not three. Correct. Um, Yeah. You know, who knows where this team could be next year. If we fix some of these things. Yeah. If, If Joe Burrow gets Tom Brady-like protection, are you kidding me? What what could happen? Yeah. Yeah. it's. Uh, So you've been following the Bengals. You've been a Bengals fan. You've been a Bengals reporter. You've watched the Bengals for years. How does Joe Burrow stack up against some of the Bengals greats, like a Kenny Anderson, like a Boomer Esiason, like a – like a Carson Palmer, where does he stack up against those greats? Man, he's, he is right up there. Um, Carson had all the physical tools, but he would always make to me, you know, like one huge mistake a game. And he was a guy that needed a lot of reps, a lot of reps. Joe, he can surpass that. Uh, John Kitna said, when God created a quarterback, he made Carson Palmer. I mean, just physically, he looked that good. Okay. Jeff Blake, no better deep ball thrower in NFL history. Just, just Google up YouTube, Jeff Blake, period. Ken Anderson, wow. Watching him more on film these days, he had a stronger arm than I remembered. But his accuracy was phenomenal. And Boomer Esiason had a cannon arm, an absolute cannon. And it was always if you could put Boomer's velocity with Kenny Anderson's accuracy, you'd have the ideal quarterback. And you know what? That's Joe Burrow. 
You put those dudes in a blender, hit puree, out comes Joe Burrow. He, he's got enough velocity on it, and yet it's soft enough to catch. And Mike Brown talked about Otto Graham. Threw it hard enough to get there, soft enough to catch it, and his leadership ability. And that's Joe Burrow is really the entire package. Mm-hmm. Leadership, Joe Cool, um, never threw anybody under the bus. And I tell people, hey, watch Kyler Murray. He throws an interception, he throws up his arms. Uh, he's upset with his wide receiver because he didn't break. Joe Burrow has never done that. He's never thrown an offensive lineman or one of his receivers under the bus. And that goes to show you his leadership and to see him come back like he did from that devastating left knee injury to have this kind of season. Mm -hmm. If he stays healthy, healthy, he might be wearing a gold jacket one day. Oh, I completely agree. And I really don't think this is the last that we're going to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl as long as Joe Burrow is wearing stripes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you look at next year and, you know, it's not a people want to say it's a first place schedule. Well, you play, you know, the different divisions. Okay. An NFC and an AFC, but then you're parallel to you're playing the first place team in all, uh, you know, in all the uh, American football conference teams, mm-hmm. first place. And you're going to see more uh, primetime games. Yep. You know, how, does this young team have the maturity to now have the bullseye on their back instead of sneaking up on everybody? So that's going to be a, a test. And once you get to the po- the offseason, teams scout you. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, once he kind of emerged on the scene, then teams scout him. Man, get him going to his left and not to his right. You know, so uh, teams will scout the Bengals and try to get, hey, look at what the Bengals did to Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Okay. They've, I'm not saying they've caught up to him because he's still awesome. But don't rush past him. Right. Don't create the rushing lane for him and contain him. And they were able to do that. But I think that's what makes the Bengals so great is it's impossible to scout this offense because, yeah. okay, you scout them and you see that Jamar Chase is going for 220 yards against the Ravens. Okay, so we need to cover Chase. Well, then what are you going to do about Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins yeah. or C.J. Yeah. Uzama? That's what makes they have so many weapons yes. on offense that if they can just shore up that offensive line and keep Joe Burrow safe, they're going to get open and he's going to score. I think that's what really did the Bengals into the playoffs was they weren't scoring enough touchdowns. They always right. had to settle for the field goal. Yeah. Uh, and that really bit them in in especially in the Super Bowl. It did. Uh and I and I thought the turning point came when you know they got the the, the long touchdown. Mm-hmm. to T Higgins and then the interception off the deflection, you have got to score there. And when they had to settle for the field goal to make it a 20 to 13 game to keep it at one score, I thought that was a huge turning point. And then the Bengals proceeded to go five straights, empty series to close the game. And that hasn't happened all year. 
Yep. Can you imagine them going five series without scoring a point? That's what happened in the Super Bowl. Well, and this has made the rounds on social media since the Super Bowl, but on that last play where Joe Burrow got sacked by Aaron Donald, Jamar Chase had his man beat. He was wide yes. open down down yep. the sideline. If he makes that throw, Bengals are hoisting the Lombardi. Um, so, again, it always goes back to the offensive line, but one play that I was kind of on the fence on was the very first – I think it was, was it the first or the second Bengals drive where they decided to go for it on fourth and one? Oh, it was I, the first I, drive. I'm the all, first drive. Yeah, I'm they always a proponent. Yeah, I'm always yeah. a proponent of going for it on fourth and one, but not on that part of the field against the Rams in the Super Bowl. Because what totally did they do? agree. They get the totally ball back. You handed, them, you handed them their first touchdown. Yep. Uh, you get the ball in really good field position, get eight yards right away. You're near midfield. And then second and two, and you cannot get a first down in three consecutive plays, you punt the football. Yep. No, they went for it on fourth and one, didn't get it. And then OBJ is in the end zone at seven to nothing. And so that's what kind of hurts is all the what ifs. You're right. But to, to put Sab on that wound, the future. Yeah. Sure looks bright. Might have to wear, I might have to get some Joe Burrow shades, man. Mm -hmm. The future looks so bright. Yeah. I mean, it was a remarkable season by the Bengals. And again, for me, it's just, I think the best part of the season was the Raiders game, the playoff win, because it finally felt like they got that, them, not necessarily this team, but the franchise got that monkey off its back. And I've been saying for years that the season that they win their first playoff game, they're going to the Super Bowl because yeah. the franchise will finally start believing in itself that they can do this. Um, so you know what I, you know what's crazy, Clayton, is I was not afraid of any of the first three teams. I really wasn't. Uh, Raiders already beat them. Tennessee was a number one seed, but I just didn't have faith in Ryan Tannehill. Right. You know, and then KC, you beat them once. Yeah, you go on the road. I felt really confident at that game. What's weird is Super Bowl, all those star power players for the Rams. I'm thinking I don't want any funny business in this game. And we saw the funny business when the flag came out on Logan Wilson. That told me everything I needed to know on that final drive, waiting for that interception that never came. And then to line up Eli Apple against Cooper Cup, are you kidding me? You know, so yep. I would have put four guys on him, you know, but. Yep, and, uh, Vern, and Vernon Hargraves coming out to celebrate oh. that touchdown. I mean, that for me, that was the only part that reminded me of the old Bengals, the Bengals yes. of the 2015, the Bengals of 2009, that really those Bengals player or those Bengals teams would have been really great if they weren't so undisciplined when in those kind of situations. You're absolutely right because they had the Pittsburgh wild card game flat out one yep. they did. And we all know all the breakdowns. There were a thousand mistakes in those last two minutes. Yep. Um, you're right. That showed and it was embarrassing, uh, total lack of maturity and knowledge, you know, as a, when you're deactivated, you can't go on the field. Right. It's that simple. Um, and the Bengals had just gotten an interception yep. from Jesse Bates. You're going to start at the 20-yard line, 
at the two-minute warning, score before half, and then score to start the third quarter. It was right there for them. Yep. They were still able to overcome that. Uh, didn't score at the end of the half. If, if they would have started on the 20-yard line, they would have had a great, great chance to at least kick a field goal. Yeah. But yeah. when it comes to the discipline, though, it's still night and day, though. I mean, it I is. think the Bengals, if, I've, if I'm correct, I don't know if I am, were the least penalized team in the NFL or yeah. somewhere somewhere around there, yeah. one of the least penalized teams. Um, so still a magnificent season for the Bengals. I don't think we've seen the end of them in the playoffs in the next few years. Um, I do want to shift gears to another star football team, uh, yeah. the Cincinnati Bearcats. My yeah. God, what another fantastic season. Desmond Ritter, Luke Fickle. I'm so glad they – I'm a season ticket holder for UC, even though yeah. I graduated from NKU and work at yeah. NKU. Um, I'm a, season, a UC football season ticket holder. And what a just a magnificent season by them, um, becoming the first group of five team to – to knock the door, knock the door down into the college football playoff. What talk a little bit about how, what you saw from the yeah, how about the scene at Nippert Stadium the, the last few games? I mean, just an unbelievable atmosphere that would rival any place in America. Oh, I agree. That that whew, that Houston game, that place was absolutely electric. Mm-hmm. It really was. And Luke now has signed another contract. Now, yeah. If uh, I'm so happy that he's going to be here yeah, for the foreseeable future, uh, hopefully uh, get into the big 12, just raise the man, raise the aura of this team and man, just that season. And then following it with the Bengals, it was just Cincinnati. We were at the epicenter of football. For, for the longest time, it was great. And it I still think, great. and I still, I think we saw the opportunity, opportunity to be the epicenter of football because both of both of these teams have very bright futures. Now, next year probably won't be as star power for the Bearcats as as much as it was this year. But as long as you have Luke Fickle there and have, I, I think the promotion of Gino Gadouli to yes. offensive coordinator was first of all a no brainer. Second of all. I am so excited to see where this offense is going to go under his 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 um his yeah, direction. His yeah. In his leadership. Yeah. Um but man that the, this year in football in Cincinnati has been great. Oh. Three three high school state titles as well for this area. Um man. Oh. What, what was it what was it like to be on the radio during this this football season? Oh my gosh, just just <laughs> phenomenal. Just there were times when I was on the Bengals beat midway through the season, you start talking about the combine and the draft. Yep. And Neil O'Donnell told me this once, when you win in the NFL, that next week feels like three days. You lose that next week feels like a month waiting to play the next game. Yep. And wow. Yes. It was a long season, arguably the longest in NFL history. I still remember when Dave Lapham, they played, he played what? Eight preseason games. The the Hall of Fame game in Canton, and then like six preseason games. Can you believe that back in the day? <laughs> Man. Wow. Now they're down to three, you know? And um, 
but just, oh, being on the radio then was just magic. And wow, the sponsorships, everything was sponsored, Clayton. (laughs) The black and the, the Western and Southern financial group, black and orange hotline, you know, or orange and black hotline. It was awesome. And uh, even different segments were sponsored. So now I got robbed on (laughs) at the Super Bowl. I was Dick Sporting Goods. I had a promo. Uh, It was worth, I think, like 150 bucks. Yeah. If the Bengals had won, only if the Bengals win, I read a 30 second spot. And I wasn't able to do it, wasn't able to cash in, but that's all right. Um, But yeah, everything was sponsored. It was just tremendous. You just mentioned the Bengals. You're flooded with phone calls, fans so excited. And uh, and then I had, gosh, Tim McGee and I were on the air from two to five before the game, then 11 to one after the game. And it was just awesome now. The crowd had thinned out by 11 o'clock at uh, Frickers and Mason, but nothing will erase the, uh, the intensity, the urgency, the enthusiasm of this, uh, of the tri-state area. Yeah. All right. So we're, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm going to end a couple, I have a couple more questions, but these are going to be kind of softball questions. Sure. Um, just little questions. I want to get to know you as you know, you've been a beat reporter. You've been around this country covering NFL football, uh, been around the Bengals covering some great teams and some not so great teams. What is your favorite NFL stadium? Uh, Baltimore. Really? Uh, it was the best trip. We would fly into BWI, Baltimore, Washington International Airport. And Paul Docker to the Enquirer uh, showed me how to get on the light rail. Boom. For just a couple of bucks, takes you right down to Camden Yards. We would stay at the, uh, well, the, uh, gosh, the, the Marriott Inner Harbor. And then you could walk in right field at where the baseball stadium is, right. Camden Yards, walk along that pathway down to the football stadium. But we always had, we had great seats. They didn't move us. We were at, man, on the club level, right about the 30, 35 yard line. And uh, beautiful stadium. The uh, scoreboards, you know, extend the length of the, uh, or the width of, of each, you know, end zone. And then they served crab cakes at, uh, at halftime. Uh, wow. <laughs> Tampa was the best food. Tampa Bay, the best food for a sports writer. I don't know if you want me to mention that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that was actually one of the, the softball questions. It was best stadium food you've had. The best or stadium food by media, far. Media stadium food. <laughs> media stadium. Uh, a regular season game at Tampa Bay. I get there early, um, made to order omelet. Wow. So ham and cheese omelet. When, when I got there, before the game, turkey dinner, turkey, mashed potatoes, uh, a turkey dinner before the game. So, man, I'm stuffed, you know. And then there's a couple minutes left before halftime. And they said, hey, you want to get in line? There's uh, Bananas Foster at halftime. Oh. <laughs> And then during the game, 
a ice cream bar. Uh, you go into a freezer and pick out any kind of ice cream you wanted. Um, and they had any kind of candy bar that you wanted. And then after the game, sandwiches out the, out the wazoo. Oh, it was heaven for a sports writer. Tampa Amazing. was just unbelievable. You know, the Bengals have really, really improved their, uh, their spread. Yeah. It used to be under Paul Brown and back at Synergy Field, hot dogs, Mets, and brats before, during, after the game. Um, gosh, uh, baked beans and potato salad. Hmm. Hot dogs, <laughs> uh, brats, and Mets. Yeah. Yeah. And now they've got a, a really nice spread of food before the game. Always some kind of cuisine from the uh, visiting team. Yep. Um, so if you're playing New Orleans in Cincinnati, man, some real nice, uh, you know, Cajun food. Yep. And uh, so and then they had uh, Gold Star Chili at halftime. Yep. And afterward, pizza or some kind of sandwiches. So Cincinnati really, really upgraded their uh, their dining room. Yeah, I had the opportunity back in August. I'm a free when I work at NKU, but I'm also a freelance writer. Yeah. So I was asked to help out with the Miami Herald when the Dolphins were up here for the preseason game. And so I was doing a little bit of freelance for them and working on a story for them. And so that was the first time I ever got to go to a Bengals game as a media member. And man, like you said, that spread, you know, some sort of food before a game, gold star at halftime and then more food at you know the second half i mean it really is a treat but my favorite stadium food i'm i when i was lived in minnesota as a reporter i got to go to u.s bank stadium and cover yeah. games there and man they go all out as well for uh, oh, for beautiful. food in minnesota but well mike zimmer i worship the ground mike zimmer walks mm -hmm. on he was just awesome to me and i interviewed him on w-o-n-e in dayton at the end of the interview, he says, Chick, we need to talk more often. <laughs> I mean, what coach would ever say that? Right. Now, before we sign off, I can give you a sports writer's confession. Okay. A confession. I worked on my honeymoon. Oh, wow. I worked on my honeymoon with a blessing from my wife. We are in Hawaii for the University of Dayton's uh, tournament against Chaminade of uh, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And one of the teams there was LaSalle out of Philadelphia. Here, I get a knock on my door in our uh, hotel. And the uh, reporter for, for UD, University of Dayton, his daughter knocks on my door and she said, uh, Chick, uh, my dad wants to see you. So I go visit Bucky Albers. He said, the Philadelphia Inquirer needs a story tomorrow. The UD LaSalle game. <laughs> Can you do it? Well, I had to ask the bride first. He goes, well, we're going to be at the game anyway. Go ahead. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote out. I think they supplied a typewriter for me. I write out the story. You couldn't get an outside line on, and it was on Christmas day oh. to get an outside line 
in Hawaii was was difficult to the mainland. So I'm trying and I'm, I finally get through the the sports guys were in a panic trying to find me I'm there. I got you covered. I dictated the game story. And we got her done. Wow. Yeah. Man, what a yeah. wife. <laughs> My yeah. wife would never have let me. We went to Hilton. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she grew up in a sports family. Uh, her dad was a, a coach and an athletic director. Mm-hmm. So, and she loved basketball. So yeah, we were over there for that tournament and uh, yeah, Dayton lost to Oklahoma over in, uh, in the third game, uh, one fifty one to 99. And they had beaten Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament a couple years earlier and Billy Tubbs put it on them. Yeah. Damn. All right. Before we sign off, you just reminded me, Quick assessment of the college basketball scene here. Um, very quick. What do you think of UC, Xavier, and NKU? Well, I'm just praying that one of these teams, if not two, make the NCAA tournament. Yep. You know, I think the Horizon League is going to be an awful lot of fun. Yep. And uh, NKU could do it, although I'm, I'm secretly rooting for Wright State, too. Uh, UC, yeah, yeah. UC it's going to be hard. They're going to have to win the uh, American athletic conference Xavier hanging on by a thread, you know, in the, uh, gosh, in Joe Lenardi's, uh, you know, bracketology X, no excuses. That's a great team. And they're, they're falling apart. They got to put the pieces back together here. Yeah. I have great hope for UC grew up a big UC basketball fan. Yep. And I have great hope for a West Miller in the future is uh, real quick. Is Travis Steele on the hot seat? You know, I I'd say he is. Uh, I hope he survives and he can do that by getting there by the Musketeers, getting their act together and uh, winning a couple games here in the big East tournament. And I completely agree with you about um, NKU you know, they've had some great wins in the horizon league and then some really boneheaded losses in the horizon yeah. league. Um, but that goes to prove they can beat anybody at any time. They've won 10 of their last 12. As of this podcast recording, they have a game tomorrow night against Robert Morris, uh, which I'm thankfully going to, cause it's faculty staff appreciation night, oh, but, <laughs> but that no, is I, awesome. You I, know what? Those horizon league games, you check the scores. They're all close. Yeah. They are all white knucklers. I mean, uh, Horizon League basketball is some of the most exciting basketball I've ever witnessed. You know, it is. And they're only going to get one team in the tournament. Yep. It, it, it just, man. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not even the best team. That That's right. And, oh. you know, the year, the very first year NKU made it, they weren't necessarily the best team. They were the number four seed in the, in the Horizon League that year. Yeah. But things just broke their way in the Horizon League tournament. And they got to make it. So, um, you know. That's the beauty of uh, March Mania. It's great. Yep. It's my just, my, my yeah. wife can't give two craps about basketball, but once March Madness hits, she loves watching all the upsets. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know, it's it's the teams that have a senior laden team that are knocking off the one and dones. Mm-hmm. So that's why a Mercer can beat a Duke once upon a time. And it, it's going to happen a lot. It really is. Yep. One of these okay. years, Gonzaga is going to win a national title. Don't know when. Kansas breaks my heart every year. Uh, <laughs> Kansas, Iowa State, Creighton. I've got my favorites, and they always – and Butler, and, and they – yeah. Yep. I Two will crash teams. and burn, no doubt. And Ohio State. 
Yeah. If they're a five, <laughs> watch out for the 12, baby, mm-hmm. on opening day. Yeah. Yep. Two teams I will never pick in my brackets to make to the final four ever again because they let me down every year are Kansas and Michigan State. I'll never pick them again. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought Michigan State could bully teams, but they, they've fallen, they've yeah. fallen by the wayside here. Wisconsin, and we just saw the, the layup line uh, or the, uh, the handshake line. Mm-hmm. That was unfortunate, no doubt. Yeah. Both coaches, big time to blame. I didn't think Greg Gard had any business stopping Jawan Howard yeah. in, that, uh, in, in the handshake line. He looked like he was content to walk past him, let him go, but he, he grabbed him by the elbow and stopped him. And then that's when it escalated from there. Yeah. And so. And, and I'm with you. I would love to see Gonzaga win a title as well. Just yeah. not last year because um, the Baylor Bears had Macy Oteague from Walnut Hills High School. Walnut Hills. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was lucky enough to, he actually is on, was on the podcast over the summer. So, um, I was lucky enough to interview him and what a great story that was. You know, he was barely recruited out of Walnut had went to a one year prep school and then went to UNC Asheville and made his way to Baylor and won the national title. So um, one of the cool things back when I covered Wright state for 10 years, uh, Dick Bennett was the green Bay coach Mm -hmm. who went on to Washington state and Wisconsin and uh, phenomenal coach and Homer drew, you know, his sons, uh, Bryce and uh, oh Scott Scott the Baylor coach yep you know so what a legacy yeah those two guys phenomenal getting to know those two all right well yeah. Chick thank you again so much for doing this it has been a blast we didn't even scratch the surface of what I wanted to talk to you about um, so I see another episode with you in the future <laughs> um, if we that's can okay. definitely do that yes and, and one it, of the soft one of the softball questions will be do you have a favorite sports bar on the road you yes. Know? Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't even get through all the softball questions either. Cause you are such a great talker. Some reason I love listening to you on the radio. Um, and if, uh, Joe Walter, Tim McGee and Austin Elmore are ever sick, you have my number. So <laughs> all right. yeah. Yeah. Clayton. Hey, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Say hi to your wife for me. And I look forward to my next trip down to Middletown middle school. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. Shane. All right. Thank you. Again, this was Chick Ludwig, 30-year career at the Dayton Daily News. You can hear him on 700 WLW uh, doing some sports talk radio, typically on the weekends, sometimes fill in during the week. Um, Again, uh, so honored and blessed to have had him on the podcast, and we will be right back. Man, what a great interview with Chick Ludwig. I was so honored and blessed to have had him on the podcast. What a great sports mind he has. He has such a acumen for sports and for writing about sports and talking about sports. It is fantastic. I feel like he could talk about sports for hours, and I could ask him questions about sports for hours. I didn't even get through half my questions that I wanted to ask him. 
but that means it's a great interview, a great sign that it was a great discussion about the Bengals, about the Bearcats. I didn't even get to ask him about the Reds. We barely touched on college basketball, so there will definitely be another Chick Ludwig episode in the future. For this season, I still plan on posting on the blog. I will probably not have a posting for this episode. I might. I might talk about my thoughts on the Super Bowl. I might talk about my thoughts on UC Bearcats football. I will also hopefully be bringing back the mailbag segment, the Ask Me Anything segment, where every week you can ask me anything, any topic about sports, about politics, about horticulture, literally about anything. Look for those questions or for those uh, solicitation of questions on my Facebook page. As always, you can follow us on Facebook at the Clayton Castle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Clayton Castle. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do on this podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Those were the three. And make sure you come back next week for some more football talk. I will be talking with not just one of the best high school football coaches in Northern Kentucky. He is one of the best high school football coaches in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And he is one of the best high school football coaches in America. I will be sitting down with former head football coach at Highlands High School, Dale Mueller. So stick around for that. We will talk to you next week.